and welcome to Sugar Free TV for another episode. And today we are so excited because we're going to really get digging deep into the issue of how sugar is affecting our body. Welcome to Sweet Liberation, living the sweet life without sugar. Join us as we explore a world of sweetness beyond sugar where health meets flavor. I'm Nabila Files Gutierrez. And I'm Luke Goddard. We're on a mission to break free from the sugar trap and show you how sweet life can be. Uncover science, stories, and secrets for a rewarding sugar-free lifestyle. Meet experts and entrepreneurs who've embraced sweet liberation. Discover benefits, success stories, and wellness while chasing dreams. Embrace sweet liberation. Let's begin. And we are so blessed today to have our brilliant guest, Georgia Leonard. Hi, Georgia. Hi, everyone. Hi, hi. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. And Georgia, you are um, a specialist uh, in nutritional health, is that right? And specializing uh, in uh, thyroid and gut health, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yes, yeah, so I'm a registered nutritional therapist. And yes, my, my specialities are thyroid and gut health. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So excited to have you here and, and to really dig deep into what sugar is doing to our bodies. It's, you know, that is our passion and that is what we are kind of um, here trying to educate people and get those conversations started. So um, how did you start discovering this? Like, what is your backstory on this? And and and, and how did you start discovering the effects of sugar on the body? And, and like, what is your view? And how do you feel about it? Mm. Yeah, I think um, the biggest game changer was when I really started to study to become a qualified nutritional therapist back in 2013. But I think what really led me to that point is I had actually quite big issues with blood sugar balance. Um, and I wanted to find out how I could, you know, how I could fix that. Um, and it, it was quite severe. You know, I remember in 2011, I was, um, I was actually a personal trainer back then and I was training a client and I actually fainted. Um, and that was because my blood sugar had gone really low. And, um, it was sort of, that's when I started to piece together that, you know, a sugary breakfast, um, like, you know, Nutella on bread or, um, a sugary snack would definitely lead to roller coasters in blood sugar and would lead to a massive high early in the day or at the time of eating that meal or snack and then lead to a massive low later on. Um, which would lead me to feeling faint and uh, really tired and, you know, quite um, unstabilized moods even, which obviously affects how you then interact with other people and how you react. Um, you know, a poor ability to handle stress when your blood sugar is all over the place. Um, so that was a big driver for me. And I think the thyroid symptoms that I was also suffering, which I hadn't quite realized were thyroid symptoms, really drove me to go and actually study, retrain actually and do three years um, to become a nutritional therapist in London. Um, and actually the, the reason it was such a game changer was then I could then study and understand why, you know, the mechanisms behind that, so the science and biochemistry behind what actually happens to you inside your body when your blood sugar is so imbalanced. And, you know, I started to piece together that actually it's, seriously damaging in terms of your body reads low blood sugar and so very high blood sugar and then very low blood sugar which is the result 
as a stress, as a major stress, um, which then leads to all kinds of things like oxidative stress and actually damages the cells in your body, leads to faster aging, leads to mood changes, leads to uh, insulin issues, weight gain, especially around the middle, and ultimately things like diabetes and even hormonal imbalances like PCOS. Because um, obviously that insulin, that hormone that controls your blood sugar, actually communicates and talks to all your other hormones and, you know, including your sex hormones, your thyroid hormone. Um, so it really has an impact on, on how you function, um, and, and what can go, what can happen with all of your other hormones as well. Um, so I think that's really important to note that your blood sugar is really, um, a big driver in terms of hormonal issues as well. And if you can balance it, it can make a huge difference to your health, really, really quite significant wow that is i mean so interesting isn't it luke very much yeah i'm interested also in in the thyroid side of things because that's something that you know a lot of people don't know much about and uh, presumably that is something also that's affected yes definitely and actually there's a strong link so um between thyroid and diabetes so yeah so 95 percent of people with hyperthyroidism actually have an impaired ability to regulate their blood sugar. So they are then at much higher risk of developing um, diabetes. But it works both ways. So if you have hypothyroidism, you have a higher risk of developing diabetes. And if you have diabetes, you have a higher risk of developing hypothyroidism. And that's to do with how that insulin works and how it interacts with with the thyroid when it is in a state of of dysfunction. so yes, it is, it is with people with thyroid disorders, you know, for all people, it's very important, but for people with thyroid disorders, it's very, very crucial that they balance their blood sugar because of course you don't want to have a thyroid disorder and then go on to develop diabetes as well. And you don't want to have diabetes and then go on to also get hypothyroidism. Um, and actually, you know, quite a few of the symptoms can be lessened, um, significantly or even reversed if you can balance your your blood sugar. So there's definitely a strong link um, between thyroid and, and blood sugar balance and diabetes. Wow, yeah, and it's really interesting. And then presumably, obviously talking about the gut side of things, what is the, you know, and, and for anybody listening and, and any sort of immediate wins, if somebody thinks that they might have stomach problems, do you suggest that there are any particular things they should be avoiding in order to try and improve their gut health? Yes, definitely. Yeah, so gut health is a big, big part of the picture. And I think, you know, a lot of people now know about what we call the gut-brain axis, which is the research that shows clearly that our gut and brain are in constant communication with each other. And so even when we're sleeping, so literally 24-7 communication. So when you consider that, then you you realize that actually what's happening in your gut will be directly affecting your brain health, which is obviously massive. And then what's happening in your brain will directly be affecting your gut health. Um, And so really understanding these two-way feedback and communication systems in your body and how they work is really helpful. And I think, you know, if somebody can, can get, can really catch that, they can have a lot more motivation to actually want to improve their gut health and, and want to do those things because that they, they can realize this is actually having a direct impact on my brain and therefore my mental health. And then of course, how your brain feeds back to all the other systems. 
So things that people can really do would be to look out for how to how to develop a more diverse diet. So dietary fiber, that diversity of dietary fiber is a really well-known marker of health. The, the wider your divert your gut microbiome diversity, the better your your health outcomes will be. And the more the better you can prevent uh, disease risk basically and so that's what the research has shown so how do we get you know how do we get a more diverse microbiome which means we want as many strains of gut bacteria as possible and there are trillions of different strains that exist and so how do we do that the answer is we have to eat a more diverse diet so that means you know when you go shopping or you do your online weekly shop um as i do to save time (laughs) you don't always just the same shopping to the order if you see what i mean you don't just go right what do i what what veggies do i eat eat peppers mushrooms tomatoes and uh beans and then that's what i get every single because you know that's great and that's healthy but it's not going to be diverse enough you want to really challenge yourself and go go into the vegetable aisle or type vegetables into the into the lens into the box um, when you do your online shopping and go, right, what, oh, oh, there's a turnip, there's beetroot, there's actually all these herbs, there's coriander, there's parsley. And then actually what also comes into that will be your whole grain and then your your fresh herbs, like I said, your, even your spices as well and even your dried herbs and then your fruits as well. So and nuts and seeds. So all of those plant foods, if you can aim for 30 different plant foods a week, then that would be a really sort of strong way to actually increase that that diversity in your gut. And that's because the little bacteria or gut bugs, as I call them, and explain that to my kids so they can understand, um, they eat fiber, but they don't all like to eat the exact same types of fiber. They, they thrive on different types. And that's why we really need a broad range to feed those gut bacteria. And that, if you're able to do that and you're able to help them to thrive, then they can line your gut, your intestinal lining, and then they can reinforce that barrier so that you are less likely to, de- to develop what we would loosely term leaky gut, which is a permeable gut lining where toxins and molecules and larger particles can pass through into your bloodstream that shouldn't be able to get through. And then that can really alert your immune system and then the more that happens, the more likely we are to develop something like an autoimmune condition where the immune system is just in an overactive state all the time and it can get confused and attack um, glands and organs, for example, with autoimmune thyroid dysfunction where we get attacks on the thyroid gland from an overactive immune system. And that actually accounts for over 95%, between 95 and 98% of um, hypothyroid cases, they are actually caused by autoimmune attacks on the thyroid gland. Um, so that's quite a big thing to consider. And there are other ways to improve gut health, definitely. You know, like even sleeping more can improve gut health. And there are many ways to look at how you would do that. Exercise of low to moderate intensity that has actually been shown to improve gut health as well. Um, reducing stress and anxiety, so managing it as much as possible. Because like we said, what what's happening in your gut affects your brain, but what's happening in your brain also affects your gut. 
So if you're constantly feeling quite negative and you're ruminating and you're not able to process things, then that can actually cause a lot of stress, which can cause a die-off of bacteria in your gut. And we, we, we actually do see that over the years, we're seeing less and less strains. Some strains are literally just disappearing, which is quite scary because we really rely on our gut bacteria to survive. Um, you know, just to give you an idea, the average human has 30 trillion uh, human cells and 40 trillion bacteria. So we are more bacteria than we are human, really. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so I would I would definitely recommend there's a book that kind of explains this really well and how important our gut bacteria are. And it's called 10% Human by Alana Collins. Um, and that's a really good one. I would recommend for people to read uh, just to gain more insight into gut microbiome out um, there. And I am so fascinated. I literally could talk to you about this all day because my background is in healthcare. I was a midwife uh, for, from, you know, nearly two decades. And, um, you know, I became very fascinated in the microbiome and there were some studies going on. I think there still are some longitudinal studies around uh, um, baby and microbiome and, and all of that kind of stuff. So it, it's amazingly fascinating. Um, and so, yeah, so tell us um, in terms of sugar, because kind of, you know, our bugbearer here is, is really sugar and, and what that what role that plays. So how does sugar affect gut and thyroid health? Like what is going on every time? Like we go and stuff our face with cake and donuts yeah. and sugary coffee. Like what happens to our body? Yeah. So first of all, foods that contain sugar are not generally going to be containing much fiber. So when you decide to eat something, you also decide to not eat something else. So if you eat a, a muffin or something like that, there's not going to be fiber in there. There's not going to be anything to feed your gut bacteria. So you're basically, you, you, like I said, if you're not feeding those gut bacteria, they're going to die. They have to have a lot of, of diverse dietary fiber every single day to, to be high enough in number to actually protect you because over 70% of your immune system resides inside your gut. So those, what we call beneficial or friendly bacteria, are there to protect you so that when a pathogen tries to invade, which is all of the time in the human body, there's always going to be something trying to come in, a pathogenic or opportunistic bacteria, those friendly bacteria can push back at it and make sure it doesn't get in and colonize. So first of all, when you eat sugary foods, you are doing yourself a disservice. You're doing your gut bacteria a disservice. They're not getting anything from that. And then on top of it, you are going to be swinging your blood sugar into that roller coaster where you eat the sugary thing, your blood sugar goes up really high. And from there, it has to come down. And then it comes down quite quickly and quite significantly. And then that impairs your blood sugar balance. It impairs your thyroid. It pushes harder and overburdens on your thyroid function. It, you're more likely to then develop diabetes, like I was saying. And then that, that blood sugar imbalance causes a major stress on the body. It causes adrenal dysfunction, which leads to fatigue, almost like your body's been in a state of shock. And then you have to recover, which you then, then later in the day feel really tired, get those major crashes, which, you know, will affect your productivity, the way you interact with work, colleagues, family, um, you know, so it really, it is all consuming, you know, what, if your blood sugar is imbalanced, 
like I mentioned earlier, it then causes disruptions in your insulin and your insulin affects all of your other hormones. So remember I was saying your thyroid and your sex hormone. So you can even end up with um, infertility just from something like being under a lot of stress and that stress, including blood sugar um, imbalance, can literally push your adrenal function so hard that your adrenals can't make enough of the raw materials or what we call the precursors to make enough sex hormones and then you cannot conceive. So it really is a lot uh, more significant and critical than that I think people are realizing. They're not always, I don't think people are always realizing that, you know, when I'm making this choice, what is actually happening? What am I, what am I actually forfeiting here? What is, what is this doing to my body? And I think, um, it's really, it's really big. It's really huge. It affects every part of you and how you are and how you feel on a daily basis. Um, so I would really try to get sugar out of the diet, um, and really stick to whole food sources, you know, like fruit that is in the whole form. So there's a lot of fiber in there, um, to slow that blood, blood sugar release down. And it is a form of natural sugar that your body is more able to use. And if you can then pair that with a protein and a fat source, then you're more, then you're much more likely to be able to balance that blood sugar eating well-balanced meals and snacks and you're not leaving really long gaps between meals so that's really fascinating i mean i think we can all relate to i call it the carb coma yeah. <laughs> you're like you're like crashed out after having like the fully loaded high carbohydrate meal mm-hmm. and then high carbohydrate snack otherwise you know you, you've had the, that lunch time and then the siesta you just have to pass out from the carb mm-hmm. And then you wake up feeling awful. Like if there is just, I can't see other than the flavor and the taste that we're all hooked on. I can't really see any upsides to this kind of high processed, refined food addiction that we all have and so many downsides. What? Yeah, I could see Luke smiling. Yeah. And I, do you know, one of the funny things was, as you were saying about uh, the, the the thing about shopping and, and the habits that we have around shopping. And, you know, with the, one of the things about buying online of course is that the supermarkets say oh you bought all of these things last time do you want to buy them all again where it's actually a really good um thing to be saying to the supermarkets would be that you know you bought broccoli last week have you considered kale or green you know something else so they would make a massive that would be a massive um uh, help to the consumer rather than us just falling into a lazy process of just saying well on a monday we eat this on a Tuesday, we eat that, yeah. uh, you know, because we're all busy with our lives and nobody actually suggests an alternative. I mean, that's something that there we are. There's an idea for the supermarkets to improve our gut health. Yeah, really. Uh, and it doesn't have to be difficult, you know. It's um, it's just about, you know, we, we, we do just want to save time, don't we? So And we all push for time. So it's like, how can I do my shopping in the quickest way possible? Bam, bam, bam. Add all previous order to trolley. Gone. Done. You know, and... You know, actually, when we consider how important our health is, you know, what do you have if you don't have your health is a really important question to ask, you know, then, okay, so would an extra five minutes actually be beneficial? Yes, your health is your most valuable asset. You you cannot get around it. You do need to spend a little bit more time. You need to find a way. You need to make that investment, even if it is chopping a few more things up for meals and having a little look at what else is available in the vegetable 
department, you know, all you have to do is type in vegetables and you're suddenly reminded of all these different ones that you sort of forgot existed. Um, and yes, it would be really helpful if supermarkets could, could um, help with, with little tips like that and little ideas and suggestions. Even something like, you know, let's say it's broccoli. Even if you choose a different type of broccoli, that's still going to yep. be different to, you know, a standard broccoli and a tender stem broccoli or a purple sprouting broccoli or whatever it might be. The fiber will still be slightly different. So even just changing up, you know, I had chestnut mushrooms last time. This time I'll try button or shiitake or, you know, even that can be helpful as well. Wow. That's amazing. That 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 inspires me and and also validates me because I'm a bit of an omnivore as in I just I kind of I, I get bored with the same food, so I just always circulate in it. So I'm I feel validated in that approach. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, there's things like going to a market. I know that's not always accessible for people and they might not have time, but if it was available, if there was a farmer's market, even that can be a helpful way to sort of go, oh, let me try that this week. Or, you know, yeah, let me pick up a few different things that I wouldn't normally have um, and just add them, add them in. One of the things I was going to just mention about the time, though, is, you know, one of the things that we slightly, uh, you know, we feel is a bit of an education process is that although people might say, well, I don't have the time to look into this or do the shopping or read up on it or. But what actually can happen is that you then can find that people are if they do become unwell, how much time is lost if they had to go to see their doctor? or they did become unwell, then you're losing an awful lot of time. And I'm thinking this in terms of people's sugar consumption is very much decoupled with trips to the dentist. You know, yeah. people are sort of saying, giving say, sugar to children, but mm. then then spending, you know, the child's then spending time in the dentist chair having a filling. That's more time lost. And it's actually also the hidden cost. There's a cost because that's the thing that we always say is there is a hidden cost with things like sugar consumption because there's the the negative sides to that that is a doubt you know that is the downside is additional cost and, and impacting on your health and i guess with also sugar you've got to be aware of feeding the wrong bacteria in the stomach am i right in saying that yeah yeah definitely yeah so you can get um what we call candida overgrowth or candida infection um so candida albicans is the most aggressive strain of under this um, the candida sort of genus um, and I see it quite often on um, on my lab results when I send for gut microbiome tests. So the client would do a stool sample and send it to the lab, and then I would analyze those results. And honestly, candida overgrowth is quite common, which is um, quite shocking. And in children, even I'm seeing it young children. Um, so it is not great because once you get a colonization of candida, the candida pushes for survival and it thrives on sugar. So it will drive you to eat sugar and it's very, very powerful. It's not something that you can resist. It's not like a willpower type of thing. It is like very, very strong. So bacteria and um, funguses like that, if you can see even in um, sort of the animal kingdom and, and with humans, it can drive our behavior to be quite strange. Um, so uh, it is, it's, really really strong and powerful and causes massive sugar cravings that you can't really resist so then you end up in that cycle and, and you've got to then target and kill off the candida cells and you've also got to starve them of sugar so you've got to follow a specific diet you've got to kill off the cells, and then you've got to reinforce your gut and your immune system 
that it should they try should the candida try to invade again, it won't be successful. So the thing with humans is we all do contain candida cells, all of us. But if our gut associated immune system is strong enough and we have enough beneficial bacteria, we can keep the numbers under control and there's no no harmful effect on human health. But if the strains are allowed to overgrow, they then overpower and they can then really cause damage to, to human health and really impair our health and cause craving and many, many symptoms. Uh, can I ask a very, very quick question, not just picking up on that, is that um, for our viewers, I mean, people that are watching this, if they don't know much about candida and they're coming to this and they're, you know, how do, do I know if I've got it? Are there any sort of tips that you could give people to try and neutralize it or know or find out or do they have to come to you to do sort of stool sampling? What's the, what's the... Yeah, it's a really hard one to, to kind of just know that you have it. I think a lot of people are just completely unaware because yeah. it kind of resides in the gut and, and there's no outward obvious expression of, you know, why might I be feeling tired? Why might I be having sort of strange skin changes or a, changes on my nails or my toenails? Why might I be having bad breath or, you know, energy crashes or uncomfortable feelings in my stomach, really strong sugar cravings? Those, they're not um, exclusive to candida. They could be for so many other reasons. So it's very difficult to go, oh, I know I definitely have it. So I would encourage not to take guesses when it comes to your gut health. Um, because if you do present with a candida overgrowth, you do actually need to take antifungals, which are specific to targeting and killing off candida cells. So I wouldn't want to suggest that to somebody who, you know, didn't have um I didn't have because then you don't know what what could happen then of taking quite strong antifungals um so yeah it is really i wish i could make it easier than that and just say you know <laughs> but i think yeah if you are having any of those symptoms like um because you can get candida overgrowth orally as well in the oral microbiome if you are having things like bad breath or you've struggled with your gut health for a long time or you're feeling very tired and you've not been able to resolve that through other methods, are you seeing skin changes and bloating, things like that, then yes, I would I would consider running a, a you know, running gut microbiome tests and that does require stool sample, which is not the most fun thing to do. But the insight to get back is quite big. It's not only candida, you can also look at all of your gut bacteria, any other underlying infections, if you have enough, if there are any other overgrowth, if you need help digesting your food. So yes, um, I think it is a good investment in your health. Um, I wish I could make it easier to just know if you have it would be great. <laughs> I was just going to say, actually, with, with some women and having come from a midwifery background, I mean, a lot of women can present it with thrush, uh, you know, yeah. with vaginal thrush can be yeah. a classic symptom. And, and it's interesting that you mention all of this around candida, because a lot of pregnant women where their immune system is suppressed by the pregnancy, yeah. candida for the first time, yeah. pregnancy, yeah. because now their immune system and their, you know, and all the uh, actually gut health in pregnancy is really, really interesting. There's so yeah. much going on. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, presenting with, with classic thrush symptoms and you go to the GP, they tend to give you, um, you know, a pessary, so an internal tablet, but that doesn't deal with the systemic problem. Which, so 
as uh, in your in your practice you 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 work you use the systemic tablets and um, that would be prescribed to people is that kind of what you like recommend yes and actually thank you for mentioning that because thrush is and you can get vaginal thrush but also oral thrush and and that is yeah that is definitely i mean if if anybody is struggling with that then that is definitely a tipple i would say but you do often get cases of people who do have a candida infection, but they're not presenting with thrush. So that's the only sort of thing ever. Thank you so much for mentioning that. And yes, with pregnant women, it is so common because that the immune system goes down and the candida goes right. Perfect. There's a way in there. And that's why it's called an opportunistic bacteria. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think definitely that so so in, to answer your question so in my clinic it's a three a three-pronged approach really um where we first of all yes we have to kill off their candida cells we have to target them with compounds that they don't like um definitely but then also we need to starve them of what they thrive on and what makes them reproduce which is going to be sugar and and foods containing yeast as well uh, quite surprising how many foods contain yeast. You know, it's not just the yeast you add to bread, it's even fruit that's sat on the candle for a bit too long that's gone slightly overripe. Lums, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's not always visible. Um, even just foods that sit in a container or a bag, it's not visible to the human eye, but it grows uh, yeast on it quite quickly. Um, so definitely, yeah, a, sort of looking at diet and, and having a set protocol. So like we're going to do three months and this is what you need to eat and this is what you need to avoid and sugar and processed sugar and even dried fruit and higher sugar fruit like bananas, grapes, mango, pineapple would not be okay because the candida can still thrive on that for a fixed period of time, not forever. But until you've managed to to kill the, the candida off and then on top of that, whilst you're going through that process, we need to look at which bacteria strains fell too low that allowed that candida to come in and colonize and grow those. So, so take strain-specific probiotics and eat food specifically to grow those bacteria back and boost the immune system with a few other compounds. So perhaps some vitamin D, some vitamin C, perhaps some quercetin, you know, some zinc, looking at things like that as well. Uh, so that that otherwise you're just going to keep getting recurring infections. So putting it all together and then of course looking at the overall diet so a meal plan for that individual for that phase and then so so coming out of that phase so going back onto a more normal diet but i would still not encourage processed sugar even after that point and to be honest i don't think i've ever had a client who wants to go back to processed sugar after they've been through that process and they always think it's going to be really difficult and it ends up they just feel so much better it's not that difficult and everything kind of changes. Their whole mindset changes. Um, so yeah, because that yeast is not is not uh, you know dominating their their behavioural pattern as well. Isn't it interesting how amazing? Yeah, how that's just so mind blowing. And just so I literally could talk to you all day. This is so interesting. Um, and with regards to kind of the harm that people are. I mean, there's just. Is there any body system that, that in your in your work and in your studies that you've done as well that you you know uh, benefits from sugar? Is there any? Is there any upside? There's no upside, is there? No, I mean I suppose people say that when you eat sugar or carbohydrates, which essentially turn to sugar, um, your brain can function better for a period of time, but that is very short lived. 
Um, so, and then the crash comes, which means you, you get brain frog, brain frog. Brain <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, I wouldn't agree with that. I think that's more teachers that are trying to like push people to learn things quickly, whereas actually they should have just probably started studying earlier and not being trying to try to use something like sugar to force the brain to think uh, faster. You know, I think that's not a good idea. That would be the only time I've ever heard anyone try to kind of sell that idea. Um, and again, even if you were to eat, you know, fruit or whatever it might be, that would be fine. But then, of course, you don't want to just be eating loads and loads of fruit without something to slow the sugar release down so that you then have that sustained energy and clarity of thought for longer. So even, yeah, even with natural sugars, you still want to be looking at the components of that and putting it together with a bit of fat and protein as well um, to get longer lasting effects. So, um, and how long have you kind of running your, your clinics? How can people access you? And, you know, just tell us a little bit about the work that you do. And so that, you know, just to kind of give our listeners and our viewers, um, you know, some insight. Yeah. So I've been running my clinic Beyond Balance since 2016. Um, and I've always, you know, been very interested in nutrition i did study it previously as well as part of my previous degree but then the nutritional therapy went way more in depth so yeah from 2016 i was really focused on uh, gut and thyroid health and um, and you can access me on my website that i've just done a new a new website actually um which is thyroid specific um, and it's dealing with helping people sort of, sort of to onboard onto my Thyroid Thrivers course, which is an online course, um, which is 12 weeks long. And it basically gives people a framework of how to reverse their thyroid symptoms and reset their thyroid function, but in a group setting, which is, um, yeah, very, very motivating. So that's thyroidthrivers.com. Um, and then on uh, socials like Instagram, I'm still on Beyond Balance, which was how I, um, yeah, my previous kind of company, but I'm sort of adding in Thyroid Thrivers as well so that it's more thyroid specific. So Beyond Balance is my Instagram handle and I do a mixture of online courses and then one-to-one. So I see clients on Zoom, so all online um, and then, yeah, online courses as well is, is what I do at the moment. So yeah, I mean that that is great, and and I think um, people are not really understanding, are they, uh, what's happening with um, you know their health around thyroid, and and they just go to the GP, have a blood test, mm-hmm. either get put on thyroxine or not. I mean, it's not very comprehensive look at the person's lifestyle, but it sounds from what you're saying is that we need to take a much deeper look at what's going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So. I think the only reason why the course works, the thyroid thrivers course, is because we actually address all of the body systems. So we're literally looking at everything. And because we, we're understanding how those systems are speaking to each other, and we're realizing that if we don't do that, then we can't, we cannot reset the thyroid function. If we don't also reset the gut function, if we don't also reset the immune function and look at what our blood sugar is doing and our hormones are doing, because they all interact and we know how they interact. So we can use that information to reset that, the whole functioning. And really that does have to be done. It can't just be, you take a pill and then suddenly everything is just better. I really wish it was 
but thyroid is it's very very complex because it interacts with so many other body systems i mean if you really consider it your thyroid you know it runs your metabolism it runs you know how you how you gain weight your body temperature control your mood your mental health you know it's really um it really does override a lot of of functions in your body so i think um yeah I, it, you cannot just take a pill and then everything goes away you might feel marginally better but then unfortunately because the root cause the underlying causes of how did this develop did it develop because i actually developed leaky gut at some point and then that then kicked off an autoimmune process in my body which you might not even be aware of because unfortunately autoimmune the autoimmune side is not tested for as standard um, and you do need to know if you have an autoimmune process going on. It's very important that you need to, you do need to know that. So I would say, yes, we need better testing. We need to be able to see the full picture. We need to see at least five markers for thyroid health, not just TSH. That doesn't give us much information. And then we need to, yes, we might need levothyroxine, which is absolutely fine, but we cannot only rely on that because that unfortunately will not just fix everything. We will not feel back to ourselves just by that one thing because it's it's more complex than than just replacing the hormone which is only that is all that the pill does it just replaces the hormone um that you might be lacking um yeah so a lot more work needs to be done there but it's the whole person the whole lifestyle i think you know under the pressures that particularly we see in the uk the strain under our health system is yeah. that you just you know that that kind of quality of care that is needed to make those long-term changes um but there are some amazing you know we've we've interviewed some amazing people even in the uk that are doing some great work just like you um, and even an nhs doctor who's mm. also taking the lead on and really looking at lifestyle which is a lot of training yeah. wow. to this area and understanding even on you know talking about lower gi diets and uh, mm. how they reverse diabetes things like that which is you know it's such a great uh it's that this whole area is opening up is very, very exciting. I wanted to actually ask you one more thing about um, about what people can do for themselves, but I wanted to ask you completely something slightly different about um, probiotics that people might be interested to take. I mean, um, you know, people can buy things over the counter, probiotics, they can order them online, they can make them. What do you, what is your kind of uh, take on that? Do you use probiotics? Do you, uh, or, you know, I mean, I, I used to make kefir in back in the day, and and that helped me tremendously through my pregnancy. But what do you think about probiotics? Yeah, I mean, I think they are great um, if they're used in the right way and if they're taken at the right dosage for the individual. Um, you know, thing, even like lactobacillus, for example, which is a major strain of bacteria in the human gut, is um, you know, if you don't have enough lactobacillus, you're very likely to present with anxiety. Um, because lactobacillus, some of the functions of lactobacillus are that it regulates your nervous system, um, which is quite amazing, isn't it, to think of bacteria regulating your nervous system. But like I said, it is much more powerful than we think in driving our behavior and our mental health. So yeah, so if you do struggle with anxiety, I mean, lactobacillus also reduces inflammation. It reduces autoimmune disease risk. So if there is any autoimmune disease risk in the family, or if you do have an autoimmune disease, it can help to reverse your symptoms. Um, so, you know, also it produces lactase, the enzyme lactase, which breaks down lactose. 
So without enough lactase, you wouldn't be able to properly digest dairy products. So if you were eating dairy, you would definitely want to make sure you had enough of the lactobacillus bacteria so you can then make enough of the enzyme lactase so that you can properly digest that dairy. Um, so yeah, there's, you know, that's just an example of one strain of bacteria like in the trillions in the human gut and its function. So it again, it is quite difficult without testing to know like what one person needs, but lactobacillus is a big one if you wanted to try something and then monitor very closely around how you felt when you were taking that. Uh, bifidobacteria is also a massive one, um, which is also very helpful in terms of just helping your digestive system to run smoothly, boosting your immune function. Um, it's a major sort of fundamental human strain. So those are probably the the most obvious ones. So to look for a brand that has, you know, really good numbers of live bacteria, just to know that you usually need to keep them in the fridge because they are <laughs> inside those capsules, those things are alive, which is a strange thought. And so they gazapate them and then you want to, you know, you could open the capsule into a smoothie which, or into a, into a yogurt, um, which I often do for even for kids but, and for adults. If you don't want to swallow the capsule, as long as it's not hot, it won't damage the bacteria. Um, so, yeah, I definitely do use them a lot um, in my practice, but I, I do look at test results first so that I know I'm targeting the right thing. Sometimes it's very sort of um, unusual strains that are low that aren't always that easy to just find in a shop, for example. But I would recommend, you know, yeah, trying lactobacillus or bifidobacteria or a mixture of the two if you just wanted to trial something and then see how you then felt. And fermented foods are also helpful, definitely if they then contain bacteria. You just want to be careful if you are histamine intolerant. I'm seeing a lot of people presenting with histamine intolerance. And then fermented foods would be some of the foods that make that worse. So it's again, it's like so complex. Nutrition is so much more complex than people make it out to be, and marketing makes it out to be actually. Um, so yeah, because the, the human body, is, it's not a simple thing. It's um, it's very complex. So yeah, that would be my advice. I hope that's helpful. And and lots of fiber, lots of diverse types of fiber to feed the bacteria that you do have, and make sure they thrive. That's very, very important. Amazing. I have so much valuable information there. Um, Luke, you're smiling away, I could see. Amazing. Absolutely lovely. Yeah, amazing. It's lovely to hear all of this information. And yeah, there's plenty of reading to do then. So we can, uh, yeah, have a, have yeah. a look at uh, your site and and uh, and then follow you on Instagram and, uh, and get all of the tips and tricks and bits and pieces. And then if people obviously are worried, they can then contact you and take it further. Exactly. <laughs> So I, have you got any kind of closing bits of um, uh, nuggets of gold that you wanted to leave our viewers with, Georgia? And uh, then we'll be posting information to to your site so people can contact you and, you know, any, any you know, and reach out to you individually as well. Yes, I would say just remember those 30 different plant foods a week. They're really trying to target yourself. I know it could be a bit of a pain, but just see if you can jot down in even in notes on your phone or on a notepad, you know, Okay, I had oats this morning. Okay, and then I had chia seeds, and then later I had an apple, and then later I had you know some rocket in my salad. You know, it can all add up, and obviously you can only put that once. So if you had oats on Monday, you can't write oats again on Tuesday. There's thirty different plant foods across the week, and remember that includes veggies, fruit, nuts, seeds, herbs, and spices, and whole grains. 
So there's a lot you can work with there. I would really target yourself to, to try to do that and just try to gain more insight into how um, important that health really is and to understand, you know, once you can picture and feel and understand how it's affecting every aspect of your life and every body system, that really helps. So definitely reading out, staying on top of the latest research, have a read of that book, 10% Human by Alana Collin, like I mentioned, because that is really a good one. And it's also an entertaining read. It's not just like loads and loads of science. Um, so yeah, target yourself to do five, 10 minutes reading, maybe just five pages or something at, before you go to sleep in bed um, so that you are also, you know, regulate down-regulating your nervous system. You also are reducing your stress response, which we know is also helpful for, for gut health. Um, you know, you're not looking at a screen right before bed, you've got dim lighting and you're winding down so you can then go into a deep quality. You can go into your proper sleep cycles. You can get your deep sleep, which is also going to be massively beneficial for, you know, your gut and your thyroid health and your overall health. It's even been shown to help uh, balance your blood sugar is just getting enough sleep. It's very significant with blood sugar balance as well. You know, you know, when you have not had enough sleep, you're going to be more hungry. You're going to... Uh higher calorie food you're going to eat more you're going to look for sugar because and that is just you know that's how powerful it is sleep can really help us to, to balance our blood sugar which is a funny thought but yeah just go to bed go to bed earlier only a few times eating sugar. just go to bed <laughs> oh thank you Thank you so much, Georgia. Really appreciate this has been such a valuable um, session today. Uh, we hope we, we can have you back in one form or another um, to keep the conversation going. And also we hope that people are starting to, this is a bit food for thought, really. That's what we want from these sessions and that people can perhaps, uh, we can inspire them to keep the conversations going at home and, you know, make those important switches that always eat less sugar i mean that there can't be a message clearer than that really 100 and explain it to your kid that from toddler age you know my eldest kid i always used to say to her you know oh you're eating an apple now or you're eating a broccoli your gut bugs are having a party and it's so excited and look they're getting all this food it's coming down now because they're just so happy now yes you should be so proud of yourself you know just explaining you know giving them a name your gut bug you know, this is what they love. They've got food now. Now they can have a party and then that will make you feel good. And that's really helpful. So, you know, from a young age, I think the education needs to start so the child understands and they can visualize. Um, I think that's really helpful because then those people are going to go into adults and um, they're going to be healthier and they're going to have a better understanding of, of health. So that would be one more a little a little tip you could maybe try if you've got younger kids. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much, Georgia. It's been a real pleasure having you on Sugar Free. And we look forward to continuing the conversation with you in the future and having you back. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. It was great to chat with you. Thank you for joining us on this sweet journey. Stay inspired and sugar free. Tune in for more sweet liberation insights. Until next time, live sweetly and stay liberated. <laughs>